Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And we are back for a part two with our friends Garrett and Yvette Hampton. They are the, I want to say the hosts, but really Yvette is the host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Mm -hmm. And Garrett serves as the Oz of sort of everything that's happening. (laughs) He's the one who is behind the scenes pulling the levers. I think of that as a compliment, Garrett, um, because I think of it as like doing a bunch of different things. But depending on how people view Oz, it could not (laughs) be a compliment. So just know I mean it as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not a wizard. No. (laughs) You're really, you're actually really doing this stuff. You haven't just stumbled upon a picture. Um, Anyway, you're actually really doing this stuff. So we want to do a part two of our conversation and talking about the importance of family and the opportunity that we have but a little bit more than that, the mandate that we have to disciple our kids. But before we do that, I want to say thanks to our premier sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool. We are so grateful that they have been willing to partner with us in getting this podcast to you every single day. Mm -hmm. And so we want to thank them. And we also want to tell you that if you've been looking for a homeschooling curriculum that will help you um, shore up your kids' biblical worldview, that biblical worldview is woven into every aspect of their education, look no further than BJU Press Homeschool. We love BJU Press Homeschool, and we trust them with the education of our kids. We see them as partners as we have one common goal, that is to see Christ formed in our children and also make sure that they succeed academically. Mm -hmm. We want to highly recommend them to you. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof Podcast. We so appreciate them. All right, Garrett and Yvette Hampton are our guests. They are the founders of Schoolhouse Rocked, <laughs> the ministry. Yvette hosts the podcast, and Garrett does everything else. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right. Look, recently, recently, I was interviewing on your podcast, and um, I was—I don't know—something happened. I think I had to cough or something, and I was going, "Oh man, Yvette, I'm so sorry." And she goes, "Oh, don't worry, Garrett's gonna take care of that. Like, you know, you know, it'll be like you never even took a breath. Like, he just can do incredible things." Um, on our on our previous podcast episode, though, we were talking about the importance of family. And Garrett, there was so much that you said in that episode, and I want to recommend that our listeners go back and check that one out. Um, But I want to kind of unpack it just a little bit further. Talk about the importance of ministry um, as it flows out from our homes and how we have almost downgraded the effectiveness of that ministry in exchange for maybe seeking out the experts, even as it pertains to the things of God. Yeah. If you look at the Deuteronomy 6 mandate, right, we're instructed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that's the first command of ministry, right? We first have to be loving the Lord our God. And then we're we're called to teach these things to our children and not just some of the time, right? When they sit down, when they lie down, when they walk along the way, this is all the time. And what we have to realize is that if they're not with us, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that from the time our kids are infants until they're adults, that we're with them every minute. Right. But if we look at scripture, the principle is that when they're with us, we're doing that. And it becomes a natural part of our daily life. You know, I love the theme of your show, show Culture Proof, because the most important aspect of being culture proof is that we're grounded in the truth first, right? Amen. We have to know God's word. 
And so as dads, our primary job first is to know God's word and be dedicated to serving him faithfully, right? Then it's our job to make sure that our family is as well. We are the principal chief priest in our house, Mm. right? And so once we're grounded, it's our job to turn it over to our kids. And the very best way to do that is to trust God's word and his spirit to work. So we should be digging into the word of God with our kids and then call on the Lord to use his spirit of truth to teach us the truth of his word. He's, He's very good and gracious, if you think about it, in that the infinite God of the universe, the one who created us all, who who gave us a path to redemption through his son mm-hmm. was so loving that he also spoke clearly to us through his word. And what what a dereliction it would be for us to ignore that speech from God and to stay out of his word. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, it's so important for parents to just understand the very first thing you need to be doing with your kids is know the word and teach the word. Amen. 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 Yvette, I'm curious to know um, over the years of both homeschooling and hosting the podcast, like what are some of the objections you guys have addressed um, through your ministry that people have about homeschooling? And when I say objections, I don't mean hostile objections. I mean those like genuine concerns where people feel like it's just something I can't do or it's it's incompatible with my lifestyle. It's, it, it doesn't fit with maybe even my background or my experience. What have been some of those concerns and how have you guys addressed them? Yeah, I think the biggest concern has been that just about every single mom I have ever spoken with, it does not matter how long she's been homeschooling, um, how well educated she is how many kids she has or doesn't have, how long she's been a parent. Um, It it doesn't matter any of that stuff. Every mom feels inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is um, just a lie of the enemy. He is telling us that we are inadequate. We cannot possibly teach our kids all the things that they need to be able to know. And especially when it comes to big families, if you've got more than one child, how can you possibly teach them all the subjects for all the grades And if you're trying to teach multiple grades, multiple ages at the same time, how can you be successful in doing that? And so I think the enemy just lies to us and tells us that we're not good enough. We're not adequate enough. And then he throws another little lies to us. You're not organized enough. You're not smart enough. You're not well-educated enough. You're not all of the things. And I think that is the biggest objection as a mom that most people have is they're just not enough. They're not enough to do this. And so it's better. And I think we mentioned this um, on the last podcast, it's better to just send them off to the experts. Mm. It's better to send them off to someone who really knows better. But the fact of the matter is no one on this earth loves our kids more than we love them. No one knows them better than we know them. I mean, we know our kids' strengths. We know their weaknesses. We know how they learn. We know when they need to sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, there are days where our girls, if they're up late doing something, um, you know, maybe they're at a, a youth event or they're at something, you know, just, or maybe they just had a hard time sleeping. Our oldest daughter, she struggles with insomnia sometimes. Mm. Um, and so there are days where I will let her sleep until noon because I know that she's going to learn better and function better that so day good. if she is well rested. Yes. But if she's not well rested and I make her get up at seven in the morning so that she can do school she's not going to learn anything. She's just going to want to sleep the whole time. And so, uh, you know, we, we know our kids better than anybody else does and no one else is going to be able to train their hearts and, um, speak life and truth into our kids the way that we can. But 
we have to be intentional about finding those opportunities, even when our kids are with us, because a lot of homeschool parents are like, well, I'm with my kids all day long, but just because you're around them doesn't mean that you're actually with them. And so oh, being good. present with our kids, I think is, is important. But I think the biggest obstacle is that moms specifically just feel very inadequate. Um, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. You know, one of the things we understand about parents is parents naturally love their kids. Mm. And so we want to make sure that our kids are going to be okay as adults. And so many of the objections to homeschooling boil down to the question of, will my kids be okay? Will they be prepared for life? Right? We've been trained in a system that tells us that we have to be super academic, that we have to master every subject or else they won't be ready for life. And mm. really, if you don't go to college, you're not going to be ready for life either, right? right? And so many of these things are lies. I want to remi remind parents of a very clear biblical truth, and that's this. Jesus says, Matthew 6.33, he says, look at, look at the birds over there. Mm. They need food, right? But doesn't God know what they need and provide for them? God knows what you need, and when we're, as parents, when we're considering how our kids will do in school, ultimately it's for those things we need, right? Mm -hmm. God says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things he's going to take care of. Mm -hmm. And it's been one of the hardest things we've learned as homeschooling parents, but one of the most important is that we can't teach everything. We're not the best teachers. We're not the the most well-equipped, mm -hmm. but when we focus on what matters, God fills in the extra stuff. Yes. He takes care of those things we need, right? And so it took us seeing a bunch of ill-equipped, uh, sinful, unworthy parents who had homeschooled their kids to graduation and seeing that the fruit was there mm -hmm. for us to believe. Mm -hmm. When we jumped into this, we looked at it a little bit like a, a bit of an experiment. We said, well, we feel like we're called to this now. We don't quite know that we're going to do it to the end, but we'll just see how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. And God was so good and so gracious that early on, he brought families families into our life who could show us the fruit of what comes. Mm. And guess what? None of them were equipped. Man, not that's so one good. of them was a master educator. Not one of them knew all the subjects perfectly, but yet somehow... God is still good and sees it through. Yeah. So, you know, part of this, part of the overcoming objections has to be that we just trust God and his promises. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so good. I, yeah. I want to, wow. while you're, while you're addressing some of this, Garrett, I, I kind of want to stay in the vein of talking about um, the father's involvement and talking about leadership in the home, because I think sometimes the structure that we seek, that we crave as moms, when we're talking about, mm -hmm. hey, I want to homeschool, I, but I just don't know that my family could even do this. I don't know, like, you know, can I do it by myself? Do I have to do it by myself? What will be the role of my husband? Um, I'm wondering, Garrett, if you could address some of those concerns. And, and to oh. tag on to that, you know, has that, and I'm going to use a word, but has that role, like for you, has it changed or evolved <laughs> become different <laughs> over time you know because in the beginning it may have been different from how it is now you you know you may have been more involved at one point than you are now or whatever but has mm -hmm. it changed as well yeah it it has changed a bit we'll talk about that um one of the things that we need to understand is that in families with two parents which which is the ideal and it is god's model but unfortunately we live in a culture where it's not the standard mm -hmm. um 
But in families where there is a mom and a dad, ultimately dad is called to be the spiritual leader. And so one of the things I like to tell dads is no matter if you're teaching grammar or mathematics, at the very least, you should be leading your family in Bible study. Okay. Mm. And I'll tell you in our family, that does not look like four hours of Bible study with <laughs> lessons on hermeneutics and all these things. We read the Bible together as a family and we try to do it every day and we hit the mark most days, mm. right? We read the Bible and we pray. But what I'm doing as dad is I'm teaching my kids that the Bible is critical to daily living, that we found all of our beliefs on this solid foundation. And I'm modeling for them. And, and by the way, my kids know that when I go to bed, I read the word at night mm. as well myself. It's not just that we read a paragraph at night or a chapter at night mm -hmm. as a family. They know that I'm in it as well. So that's the first function. Because the truth is, mm. most dads in two-parent houses are out working while mom teaches the kids. Mm -hmm. So what dad's role then becomes is the, the ultimate supporter and cheerleader for mom. You got to let mom know that I'm with you, that I back you up, you're doing a good job, and I'll do whatever I can to enable you. And then where you can jump in, dads, because we know that, that kids who have involved fathers and mothers just fare much, much better in life. So if that means you work all day, you come home and eat dinner with your family and pray with them. And then you have the opportunity to read, read the Bible with them at night and pray with them. And that's all you can do, do that. Mm, but if you good. can also throw a ball on the weekend and help out with a little math on Saturday, do that as well. Um, for me, my role has changed over the years. When we started homeschooling, I worked a very, very busy job. I worked really long days and I traveled a lot. So there were nights where I wasn't home at all. Um, but when I was home, the very first thing I did was read the word with my kids. I knew that was the foundation. And if nothing else happened, that needed to happen. And we started that from the time they, they were infants before they could understand. We mm -hmm. read the word to them and we prayed. Now here's the, the great news. If you're not already doing that, it's okay. Today's the day. Start it now so and good. do it tomorrow and the next day. Um, but but yeah, when I when I was working that job, I couldn't do any of the school stuff because I was out. Now I'm home. I work from home. But guess what? Yvette still schools the kids for mm -hmm. the most part. But what I do do is I show them support. I love on them through the day. I try to eat, eat every meal with them if I can mm -hmm. and still lead in the word of God. And even though I'm here, ultimately the the education falls falls to Yvette. And and if they have to be sent to the principal's office, they go to him. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. You know, it's, it's a silly note, but it is really important. And and we understand that um, you know, the ideal, God's model is a mother and father who are married for life and have children together. But um, one of the most effective ways that dad can minister to his family is by being a disciplinarian who exemplifies the Bible and love, the love of Christ in discipline. And uh, that's not always easy. No, I don't always do it perfectly. Um, but I can tell you, mom and dad have different roles in discipline. That's right. And a lot of times dad is much more effective. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think, and you guys tell me what you think about this. I think in many ways, because he's not the one that the kids constantly hear from, 
And so mm-hmm. I think there's like this sort of like, wait a minute, dad's talking. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like with our kids, you know, I'm saying something and, and I, I almost feel like it's the Charlie Brown teacher kind of thing that <laughs> yes and and I'm and then dad walks in and says the exact thing it's like no you need to do and it's and I'm like I just said that you know and but it's I guess my voice isn't deep enough I don't know but they hear from me all the time so I really do need that backup I need that support I need that like you know I I joke about this but I can even tell if I'm if I'm in a lesson with one of the kids and my back is to the door, I can tell when he walks into the room because they shift in their seat. Like they sit Uh differently when he, and then I turn around and there he is, he's getting something out of the fridge or he's, you know, and I'm like, whoa, now you're paying attention. Like, come on, like I matter, you know, but dads have an important role. And it's a, it's a role that I think as moms, we've got a champion. We've got to want their involvement. Yvette, would you agree with that? Do we sometimes find ourselves in a position where we know we're doing the work, but maybe sometimes we feel like only we can do the work. How do we actively involve dads? Oh man. Well, I I mean, I think, finding dad's strengths because, you know, some dads are really good. Like Garrett said, some guys are good at math. Some guys are good at at building and construction and things like that. And so I think finding ways for dad to be intentionally involved with their kids, and it doesn't have to be the academic stuff. It just has to be discipleship. So them spending Mm. time with them, it can be academic. Um, but uh, the other day we, we had our friend's little boys um, at our house and our foosball table needed fixing. And so one of the little boys, he's eight. And so Garrett said, well, let's go get some screwdrivers. And and so Garrett sat with him for like an hour and they unscrewed stuff and screwed it back in. And he was just teaching him how to be a man. Like it was oh, so cool great. to just watch him doing that. And so uh, it's just intentionality of, of finding what dad's strengths are and, and how, having him help kids in that way. That's so good. I want to I want to make a shift here and I want to talk about marriage and in the time that we have remaining. And then of course we've got a final question. We want to ask you guys about what you're reading in scripture and how the Lord is ministering to you through what you're reading right now. So kind of think about that and kind of start preparing. But you work together and you guys are with each other a lot. When and Will the Great and I have always worked together. We were missionaries together. Like we just and so to me, it's very natural that we work together. But we have encountered many people over the years who have said, I don't see how you do it. Like, I would (laughs) kill my spouse. Like, I don't know. I need a break. I need to get away. And it actually made me start thinking, like, you know, what's wrong? Should I want to kill him? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, should I, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, but talk about that because you guys work together. So what has been the blessing in that? And how has the Lord really strengthened your marriage as a result of it? Well, the funny thing is I want to, before I get to the blessing, I want to say, <laughs> we don't just work together. We work together in family ministry. Amen. And <laughs> if you ever want to um, open up the door to wicked attacks from the enemy, come on, defend families together for the glory of Christ as a family <laughs> yes. and see where the enemy attacks. You know it. So I, I say that to just say, it's not always roses and unicorns. That's right. I love my wife. I love her desperately. And there are times where we have conflict. Yes. And I love my kids mm-hmm. desperately. And there are times where we have conflict. And, and there are even times where the whole family has conflict and we don't even know why. And it's those times where we step back and we go, man, Satan hates families. Come on. And he is attacking right now. Mm-hmm. And... I'll tell you that we we always, when we get to that point, what we do is we stop, right? 
and we'll say, okay, we got to pray. Mm-hmm. We got to stop and we pray. And, and eyes will roll among kids like, oh, come on again. <laughs> but it is, it's so important to recognize that we have an enemy who hates families because he understands that the very first realm of the church is in the home, mm. that the very most important cornerstone of culture and the church is the family. Man. And if you can tear that down, everything else is easy. Mm. And so the enemy attacks. But we've we've had the blessing of working together for years. We've done Schoolhouse Rocked for seven years. About eight years before that, we owned a, a high-end stationery store together, and we got to work together every day. And uh, I don't think there's a secret. I think the <laughs> secret is that we have to love each other the way God loves us and give ourselves up and then understand that we're going to have to show grace mm-hmm. because we're not perfect. We mm-hmm. do have conflict. And I sin against my wife and my wife never sins I against do me. Sin. <laughs> <laughs> I you love your great it. care. You're like, okay, I will talk about my issues. She can I talk about this. her issues. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's true. We are sinners, right? We live yeah. in a sinful fallen wor- world. And sometimes even the sin of others hurts us and hurts our family and hurts our marriage. And our responsibility is to understand that we have to forgive, we have to show grace, and we have to move on. And then trust the Lord to provide through His Spirit the ability to obey Him and mm-hmm. to work together in love. And it's not always easy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yvette, do you want to you tack on to that? Yeah, I would just say, you know, it's really neat to see how God has given each one of us different abilities and strengths and talents to be able to do what we do together. Um, I, I, I I would say I don't interfere in what he does. I don't know how to interfere in what he does. (laughs) I literally have no clue how he does what he does. Um, I don't know the first thing about it, but he's so good at what he does. Um, and he doesn't interfere in what I do. I mean, he will give suggestions and, and, um, stuff, but he does not ever step on my toes, at least not intentionally. And we just, we work together. We trust the Lord to, accomplish his will through us as a family and mm. as a couple. And, and it's fun most days. I mean, I would say, <laughs> you know, most of most days for sure, yeah. we have a good time together and we get along with one another. And I love that he can have lunch with us in the, the middle of the day. And, um, and it's just fun. And I love that our girls get to see that we work together as well and do ministry together as there, a family. There has been one other hidden blessing too, throughout the years. And in the first show, we talked about some of the trials we've experienced as we've been doing ministry. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest graces God's shown us through this is when I'm the most down I can be, she's usually not. Mm. And she'll come and she'll encourage me and say, it's okay. God's got this. He knows. Let's pray together. And there are times when she gets really down Mm -hmm. and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And, and ultimately over the years, I've seen this happen enough time enough times that I have to give the credit to God Amen. that he is just showing us grace through those times. Amen. And so um, one of the most important things we've done in min- in ministry together is pray for each other and pray together. Yes. Um, and then ultimately we just have to trust the Lord to fill us with his spirit and to work through us to his glory. Cause, cause the truth is we are sinners that he's using to do his work. Yeah. Mm. And I'll, I'll say one last thing too, is that, Neither of us make big decisions without each other. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it would be easy for Garrett to say, well, I'm the head of this household and, you know, I'm the husband, so I'm going to make this decision. 
he is so wise too. He always comes to me with decisions. I mean, if it ha- even with like money decisions, if it's yes. over, you know, $50, yes. he'll say, you know, Hey, I want to do this, or I need to purchase this or I need whatever. Uh, what do you think about this? And and most of the time we'll sit and pray together about it. Um, but he doesn't make decisions by himself and neither do I, we work together as a team. Oh, that's even so in the good. Big decisions. You know, there's something, and, and I know we're kind of running short on time here, but I want to go back to something you said. And I think, um, I think maybe it's an open secret, right? So, so there's not, there's not a hidden secret, but there is an open secret to a successful marriage that I think you touched on, Garrett, and and I think it's recognizing that there is a spiritual attack on marriage, and I think that's what so many couples and so many families don't recognize. We think that we are the two who are at war. We think that right. it's our kids right. who are at war with one another. We don't recognize. Our pastor recently um, was preaching on the rock thrower right? The one who throws the rocks and hides his hands. And that that is the enemy, right? That he is throwing rocks in our families. He's throwing rocks at our marriages. And we often don't see because we think that the enemy is the other person. You know, I can remember early on in our marriage, Will the Great and I having these disagreements and these misunderstandings. And I remember him saying to me, guys, okay, I'm not proud of this, but look, 100% transparency, okay? I remember him saying to me, meek. It's not me and it's not you. It's the enemy. Don't you see the enemy at work in this situation right now? And and I can remember early on being like, no, no, I'm just seeing you, you know, but if we as married couples, as families could recognize that there is an unseen enemy that not only do we have our flesh at work, right, but we also have this unseen enemy against um, whom we battle, but mm-hmm. we do that in the strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And I think that's so important and so vital. Um, Will the Great, I don't know if you wanted to tack on to that. No, I think that's a big deal, you know, knowing that it's a spiritual battle. And like uh, Gareth said in the beginning, you know, that the enemy hates families mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. an attack. You know, when you're doing family ministry and we we experience it, yeah. you know, but we it causes us to understand it and to be wise in our engagement and to know that we have a real enemy and that he's fighting against, you know, what God is, is desiring to do. So it's it, it causes us to be vigilant. Yeah, I really appreciate that you touched on that, Garrett, because I think that a lot of families um, and couples are afraid to admit that, that that we are in a spiritual battle and that it often has real effects on our families, you know, that we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And a lot of people like to relegate that to a Sunday morning message. You know, Mm -hmm. then when we go home, there are no implications of that. But actually, I mean, that's where the battle rages and it's most fierce, I think, at home. Um, So anyway, I really appreciate you pointing that out. Let me ask you guys this before we run out of time. And we like to ask this of each of our guests. And so we're going to do maybe Yvette, you go first and then Garrett, you can kind of follow up. But what have you read recently or what are you currently reading in God's word that has either taught you, rebuked you, corrected you? or trained you in righteousness? And can you unpack that just a little bit? Yeah, it is so funny, God's timing on these things and and what we were just talking about with the enemy's attacks on families and on marriage, because I was just reading this the other day and I sent it to a friend of mine who uh, was having a hard time. Um, She's going through a really difficult situation with one of her children. And it's 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
And that's exactly what we're talking about. We've got an enemy who is up, you know, we're, we're up against a fierce enemy. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings of homeschooling our kids is that as Ephesians tells us, we're to put on the full armor of God. And that's what we're doing with our kids every single day, piece by piece. You know, we're not trying to put on all the armor, you know, like they tried to do with David. And he's like, dude, I can't even move. <laughs> we're just piece by piece every single day as we're discipling the hearts of our kids and showing them Jesus. We are putting on that armor so that when they go out into their into the world, into adulthood, they will be fully protected and armored and ready for battle. Hmm. And that's, I mean, this is a whole different subject, but it's why we don't have our kids in school. It's why they're not there to be salt and light because they're not yet equipped mm -hmm. to do that. We are equipping them at home first because there is an enemy that is seeking to devour their souls and seeking to devour us as a family. And so it is such a privilege to be able to be the one to put that armor on my kids every single day as we, you know, just teach them the word of God. Mm, so good. Amen. I, I'm reading through something so different from that, um, <laughs> but, but so applicable. And this is God's word, right? Wow. Um, I'm getting ready to finish the Old Testament. So I'm reading through the minor prophets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, just recently finished Jonah. And Jonah is such a neat book in that, first of all, Jonah writes of it and writes of his failure as a prophet, right? But the most encouraging thing to me is that we are very much the Ninevites in our culture. Mm. We are not the Jews. We are a heathen people <laughs> whose culture has been overwhelmed by violence and evil, right? And so God in his grace calls Jonah to go and call out against those people and say, turn from your ways or God will destroy you, mm -hmm. right? And we are right there right now. That's our, our culture. We're under the wrath of God. We are being destroyed. And it is God's judgment. And it is righteous. And it is for our mm. wickedness. We're right there, right? <laughs> but if you look at the Ninevites and look at what they did, this should be our response. And I want our call to culture to be like the Ninevites. When the Ninevites heard Jonah's call, when they heard that they were under the judgment of God for their wickedness, from the greatest to the least, they humbled themselves mm. and they turned their eyes to God and they fasted and they prayed mm. and they put sackcloth and ashes on. And what did God do for them? <laughs> he relented from his destruction yeah. because he is merciful. And you know what's great about it? Jonah didn't even get it. Mm. He went up on a hill and said, Lord, what are you doing? They are evil. Why aren't you destroying them? And God said, this is a great city with many people and many cattle in mm -hmm. it, right? And God showed mercy in spite of Jonah. Mm. And so, man, I, I'm always reminded when I get around to that part of scripture that we need to be like Nineveh. And, and ultimately, the people who understand that principle and understand God's truth need to go out and call out to the people and say, turn from your wicked ways. Mm. God's judgment is upon us. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That is profound. Like, listen, as I'm processing that, because I think about how many times when we as Christians in 21st century America read scripture, we want to read ourselves into scripture and we always want to read ourselves into the very best aspects of what we <laughs> see in scripture. So right. we, we want to be Jonah. We want mm -hmm. to be the one going in and crying out. But when you just said, man, but we're the Ninevites, like, 
There is something that just registered with that, that Mm. that is the reality of where we are in American culture. We have fallen so far away from a nation founded on a conviction that God is and that he is worthy to be worshiped, Mm -hmm. that he is worthy to be submitted to. Man, I think that that is a great way for us to leave the program. Just the the depth of thinking um, that I think that requires is enough. And so I want to thank you both uh, to the Hamptons. Thank you guys for joining us today. I want to tell our guests that they should check out your podcast, Schoolhouse Rocked. They should go to schoolhouserock.com. And I want them to to get acquainted with your ministry. I want them to hear from your guests. You guys bring in guests that are going to answer so many questions that I think our listeners have about what they can do in the time that we have remaining. We are looking forward to the return of the Lord. We are looking forward to the catching up of the saints, but there is work to do mm. while we await that time. Amen. And so yes. um, we want to encourage our listeners to check out schoolhouserock.com. Um, as we go out of this program, we want to encourage you, as we often do, when you resist those cultural trends that rival the truth truth, you remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.